Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. We were praying for the church and the Lord spoke into my spirit next year. Last year we had a, we had a prophetic word, rising tide. When the tide rises, all the boats rise with the tide. Amen? Anything that's, under the, that's sitting on top of the water is going to rise with it. And last year, we had a significant year in the life of this church. We were here, there, and everywhere. We were all over the world. God added to us some incredible salvations. Uh, you've heard the testimonies of what God's been doing in our church. And I'm like, I'm like Helen, I love this church. I love the cultural diversity. I love the authenticity, uh, which is so precious in the days that we live in. I hate religion. I hope you do too. And uh, we just love that, that love relationship with Jesus. And the Lord's spoken to my word, I want you next year to receive double. And you know, it's not this name it, claim it, you know, whatever you're making this year, you can double that in your salary. We're not talking about the name it, claim it rubbish. We're talking about a prophetic word which somehow God is going to download into your spirit. And there's going to be an interpretation and a carry of double the blessing of God in your life over the course of this year. If you can believe it, you can receive that into your life. And so over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be breaking that down as the Holy Spirit uh, places that into our hearts and begins to interpret what we're doing. In three weeks' time, we have Georgie Nahu preaching on double. Put up your hand, Georgie. So <clears throat> Georgie has a fantastic testimony, um, and, uh, but he's not bringing his testimony. He's preaching the word. In three weeks' time. I want you to be praying for him because it's so important the first time you ever preach a word to your church that you have the prayers of God's people behind you. He came to see me a couple of weeks ago and he opened his textbook to me of the things he'd written down and I said, that's not, that's not, that's not a word for you, that's a word for the church. So I said, I want you to preach that, brother. And so he's going to be preaching about how God's called us to bring double into people's lives, multiplication through discipleship, which God has built into his life over last year. And he's now running a discipleship group and leading a discipleship group and discipling others as a young Christian. So he's qualified to bring us the word on discipleship. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So... On the 17th of Feb, Georgie will be bringing his first word. I'm so excited to champion these new young people on what God is doing in their lives. But of course, double can be seen as a negative. Whoever used to get the strap when they were little? <laughs> Who used to get it quite a lot? <laughs> Do you ever remember sitting over your father's knee and he's given you one and he says, Do you want another one? <laughs> What do you think, Dad? Yes, Daddy, give me another one. I want double. No, thank you very much. <laughs> or sometimes we have, we have double the bills. 
come in, the billites arrive in the mailbox. And all of a sudden you think that your power bill is an offer on your house because somebody's been running the hot water or in showers for 45 minutes and you get the bill at the end of the month. So double can be seen as a negative, but we're going to talk about what the double that God wants to bring into your life today. And the first example that is so clear in Scripture is the double portion of God's Spirit that was transferred from Elijah to Elisha in the book of 2 Kings chapter 2. It's a marvelous story. And you're saying to me, well, Pastor James, hang on a minute. You're talking about New Testament. Jesus has given us the Spirit. Why are you going back to the Old Testament, Old Testament model? Well, how come you're living back? Well, you've got to remember, friends, you can't discard that large part of your Bible. Do you know why? Because it's the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The Messiah is all the way through the Old Testament. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so whenever we dive back into the Old Testament, Paul the Apostle said, we look back on the Old Covenant as an example for us to learn from. So are we all on the same board this morning? We are, we are diving into the old of this incredible story that makes it very clear that God in a moment of time can place a mantle on your life in which you get to see double the power of God's Spirit working in your life. And for the life of me, I don't know why anyone would not want double God's help, power, strength, anointing in your life over the course of this year. Some of us have large obstacles we've got to go through and overcome. You're going to need double for that to get to where God wants you to go to. And in the story, it's very significant. We're going to go there in just a little moment. Just like I said, we're going to land this in just a moment. I like that, Helen. That was very, very subtle. Thank you for that subtle encouragement. That was awesome. (laughs) Um, But uh, as we look at this example This morning, we understand that whenever something is in the story, did you know that every word in the Bible is placed in there by the Holy Spirit? Did you know that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit inspired the words of Scripture? So there's nothing in the Bible that's not in there without a reason. And in this fascinating story of one man inheriting double the power of another man that was graced by God... In the story, you'll find that there's a trail of stop-off points, four stop-off points in this story. And when you discover the meaning of the names of the stop-off points, you'll begin to discover this is the pathway to double power in your life. And we're going to do that in just a moment. But, you know, many people think, well, you know, I'm not a prophet either. Elijah Elijah and Elisha were both prophets. But do you remember the story in the Old Testament? where the Spirit of God came upon the children of Israel as they were camped in the wilderness. And, uh, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell, and after the meeting had finished, two men carried on. They carried on prophesying, Meldad uh, Mel and Eldad, or something like that. Eldad and Medad. Hey, Eldad and Medad. What a <laughs> cool names, Man, that sounds like a movie about to be made. Eldad and Medad. And they were still prophesying long after everybody had gone. And, uh, and all the, uh, you know, the, the gossiper, the gossipers saw what was going on. And they quickly ran back to Moses and they said, Hey, Moses, Moses, these two guys, they're prophesying without your permission. Being jealous for Moses' leadership, you see. 
that, he, that they felt that he was the only man that had the words from God. And yet these two men were prophesying over here. Do you know what Moses' response to that was? Look at this. Numbers eleven twenty nine. Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. Come on. What did Paul say about prophecy? I wish that you all prophesied. All of us. And so there's a call within our life for a greater portion of God's anointing, not only to prophesy, but to do the acts and the works that Jesus said, you will do more than I have done when my spirit comes upon you. Can you imagine that? Jesus raised the dead. Jesus healed the sick. He took leprosy. He delivered people from demonic spirits. And he said, when I go... I'm going to leave the mighty Holy Spirit. You'll never be alone. You'll have a companion. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit will go with you. And his power is available to all of us. I know within a room like this, the stats alone would speak from our, our ethnic diversity, our backgrounds. There's been sexual abuse in this room. Some of you have gone through some very difficult times in the families. You've come from marriage breakups. We've come, some of us have come from atrocious upbringings. And you're here today, and some of those things, as Helen said today, said we want freedom. In her prophetic utterance from her paper this morning, she said that we want freedom, but there's wounds that are still open and still raw because we haven't experienced the freedom of God in those wounds. We need double power to get a breakthrough within our lives today. Amen. We don't want to be trying to move forward when we've got this anchor and this chain tied and wrapped around our leg, this ball and chain that's stopping us from moving forward. Do you want freedom in your life this year? Do you want to be able to move forward unhindered and unfettered this year? Amen. Well, this word is for you today. There's double power waiting for you in the spirit this morning that is for your life. The prophet Joel said, in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. A-double-L. That includes you. That includes me. All means all. All means everyone. All means me. All means you. All means the children. Come on, let's get a vision for our kids being filled with the spirit. You know, when a child gets a touch of the Holy Spirit upon them, it stays with them for the rest of their life. God said, I'll pour my Spirit out on all flesh. And you'll prophesy, you'll dream dreams, and you'll have visions. This is the language of God. I don't know, when's the last time you received a God dream or a God vision? How about doubling that over 2019? You know what the power is in a vision? A picture speaks... A thousand words. A picture will stay with you. A picture will be etched into your spirit. A picture is not something that you can easily forget when God imprints it upon your spirit and upon your heart. So that's what we're looking for this year. I'm believing that God wants to double whatever is in your life this year that's from Him. He wants double power. He wants double influence. He wants double the amount of miracles. When's the last time you prayed for someone who needed a miracle within their life and you walked away and you knew that God did it? A healing can happen over a period of time, but a miracle is instantaneous. When's the last time you laid hands on someone and saw a miracle take place? Double power. Double power. We 
need. You know, the Bible records eight outstanding miracles in the life of Elijah the prophet. But when Elisha received that double portion from Elijah and it was transferred onto his life, the Bible records 16 outstanding miracles. Funny that, 8 plus 8 equals 16. Double portion. We're talking real stuff here this morning. And my heart and my desire is that as you're under the sound of this message and those that may be listening on the internet, that you're able to download this into your spirit and go after it this year. Believe God that you, He'll take you places in your personal life that you've never been before, that you will triumph in personal areas that you've found difficult to overcome in your life. You can do that when you've got double power on board, double portion of God's Holy Spirit. In the story of Elijah, it's interesting. Elijah was walking past this farm one day and he sees a young man out behind the plow with all the oxen pulling the plow and our equivalent, he'd be out there on the John Deere tractor, fully air-conditioned, stereo ramped up, you know, plowing up the ground And our day. And he stopped and he tapped this young man on the shoulder and he said, come and follow me, just like Jesus did with the disciples. And this young man received the call of God from that day to be a prophet and to follow and tag in the shadow of Elijah. His name was Elisha. Do you know how committed he was? On the day, the very same day that he got the calling, do you know what he did? He cut up his father's plow. He cut up the instrument of his livelihood. He cut up that which was going to bring him bread on the table. And he burned it in a fire to say, no turning back. I'm following Jesus all the way. I'm following God. I'm following my master, Elijah. I'm not going to turn back and go back to my old life. I'm not going to get all insecure and I wonder where my next paycheck's coming from. I'm fully trusting God and what he's called me to do. Isn't that an amazing story? And then right from that time, right from day one, you can see there's one ingredient in the life of Elisha that we all need to possess in order for us to receive this prophetic word of double power. And it's called spiritual hunger. It's called spiritual hunger. Over the years, uh, you know, this, this year, on the 2nd of April, I'm celebrating, along with my wife, 30 years of full-time ministry. I can't believe I've been a pastor for 30 years. I can't believe it. But over that period of time, I've seen so often this ugly spirit over New Zealand called a spirit of apathy. And that spirit of apathy sucks spiritual hunger out of people's lives. And it leaves them sitting on the sidelines thinking, oh, what the heck? I can't really be bothered with Christianity anyway. And they stop following God and they turn back to a secular lifestyle. And there's no spiritual lamp. The lamp's gone out. The light's gone out. Nobody's home. They've left God behind because a spirit of apathy, this is what apathy will do. It will dull your spiritual senses. A spirit of apathy will take away spiritual hunger and desire out of your heart so that you no longer seek God, that you no longer want God. And you begin to get highlighted on your dashboard things of the world, to the pursuit of things, the pursuit of consumerism. And the pressure from the world comes around your life until you start stop praying. Like Christine was saying this morning, she brought the word. You stop seeking God. Your prayer closet's empty. God's waiting for you every morning. You don't turn up because the spirit of apathy has got a hold of your life and you're no longer seeking the Lord. And you're only one step away, friends, from being backslidden. Yeah. 
Have you got your ears on this morning, church? I'm trying to be an encouragement to you because the we're not in a boxing match, as I once said, but the Bible says we are in a wrestling match. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and high places. That's where the battle is. And you know, in wrestling, I was actually a wrestler when I was young. I was in the wrestling club. We had a couple of guys that won in the nationals. It wasn't me. I was too puny and too small. But you know, one thing you've got to know about wrestling is this. In, in wrestling, it is literally the closest form of human combat that you can have. And that's what it feels like sometimes when you're in a battle. This is, this is close contact. This is getting personal towards me. You know, when the devil gets personal, he gets personal. And, you know, his main, one main weapon, I don't know why I'm heading off on this, someone needs to hear this this morning, but his one main weapon over you is deception and lies. Because the reality is, is that Jesus defeated the devil 2,000 years ago. He triumphed openly over the powers of darkness. And the Bible says that he paraded before heaven. This uh, person called the devil as a defeated foe. He stole the keys to hell and death of the devil. He is the victor. Jesus has won the victory. He's won the battle. But he will deceive you and he will call to your mind that you are, you are there to be defeated by his by the enemy of your soul and he will leak lies into your spirit that you can't when God says that you can, that you're defeated when God says you're a conqueror in Christ. And, he'll, and if he can work that deception into your spirit, then guess what? You walk out of here with your head down, your hands hanging down, feeling like I can't ever get, make my way forward in life. And when he puts that over you, he's won the battle. So friends, we've got to understand this is a close quarter combat that we are involved in. And today, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm putting my hand up for double power. I'm saying, God, put the double portion of your spirit upon my life because I don't want, I don't want to be someone. You know, uh, Tarzan pursued Jane. <laughs> Wally, Wally Coyote's still pursuing Roadrunner out there somewhere. If you know the old cartoons, some of you might even know these cartoons, but he was just incessant on pursuing that. <laughs> he never seemed to get there, but man, he kept trying. He kept trying. And you and I need to continuously pursue God, hunger after God, chase after him. The word pursue means to chase down. It means to hunger after. It means to follow closely by. And so this morning, what are you pursuing today? Whether we admit it or not, we're all pursuing something. Some of you are single. You're pursuing a husband. You're pursuing a wife. That's okay. The Bible says that to the woman that your desire shall be towards your man. That's a biblical uh, DNA imprint that's placed within your spirit. That's all right. But are you, has that become your number one thing in your life to do? So nothing else matters other than that goal. And then you start looking needy because you're just in the pursuit of that man or that woman. Are you in the pursuit of a, you know, of, of that lifestyle, you know, the dinkies we used to call it, double, double income, uh, people that are just trying to grow your, your uh, financial portfolio and that's become everything to you and the kingdom of God has settled and immersed into the background. I'm not saying these things are necessarily wrong. What I'm saying is that they need to be right in their right place. And Jesus told us a great truth in Matthew 6.33. He said this, Seek first 
This is the one, number one thing I want you to pursue with your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? People mistake that and say it's synonymous with the church. It's not the church. The kingdom and the church are different. The kingdom is the sphere of God's rule. And that can happen anywhere, outside a church gathering, anywhere around the world, where God is extending his influence on planet Earth through this amazing work called the kingdom. And he told us to pray the kingdom. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it's being done in heaven. And to see that kingdom expand, we need double power, double portion of God's Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit. Changed Peter from a coward to the man who stood up in front of 3,000 people and preached the first message in the New Testament church and 3,000 people came to Christ in that great preach. What changed? The Holy Spirit got inside of him and the tongues of fire fell on him. The power of God anointed him. Double portion of God's Spirit within his life. This is what Jesus said, come follow me. It's as simple as that, friends. Can I just ask you to get that on your radar this week, this year? Come, follow me. That's how he recruited his followers. Come, follow me. Not the man, not the set man in the house, not the apostle, not the prophet. Follow me. Follow me, James. Get into your prayer closet. Follow me. Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn and learn and learn from me. Everyone feeling comfortable right now? Hallelujah. <laughs> we're, we're called into this pursuit of Jesus Christ. Paul found it, and he said this in Philippians 3. Brothers, I don't count myself to have apprehended. You know what he was saying? With the extraordinary gifts and the amazing miracles that have been done at my hands, I still don't count myself to as, as to have made it. Don't ever put me on the list and saying, Paul, the apostle, made it. He said, I'm not there yet. As long as I've got years in front of me, I've still got stuff that God wants me to do. So he says, I don't count myself to have apprehended or to have got there, but one thing I do. Did you hear that? Not several things. Not multiple choice. Not my top ten things. But one thing I do. What was the one thing? Here's the one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind, I'm not going to allow my past to drag me back. I'm not going to allow what happened in my childhood to stop me from pursuing and following God. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to forget those things. I'm going to put them behind me, and I'm going to reach forward to those things which are ahead. Are you looking forward to 2019? All of us should be carrying something in our spirit today that says this is going to be the greatest year of my life. This is going to be the most influential year in my life that God has placed me on this planet to do great things, to be a follower of Christ, and to achieve great things in the kingdom of heaven. I'm believing for you, and I'm believing for me. And he said, I press towards the goal. What was the goal for the prize? Here we go. Of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Can I ask you a question this morning? If you were to describe your spiritual life right now and your relationship with Jesus, are you on an ascending curve 
or are you on a descending curve? Paul said it's upward. It's upward, friends. It's on the increase. It's growth. It's moving ahead. It's moving forward. He says, I'm pursuing a prize, and that prize is the upward call that God has placed upon my life. I'm not going to dilly-dally around. I'm not going to be getting involved in pathetic little things that are never going to make an eternal difference. I'm going to pursue the things in my life, this prize of this incredible upward call and this journey where I'm going to make a difference in the world that I live in. I hope you can be inspired this morning by the words of the great Apostle Paul. And you know, he had reason to be proud. He was a theologian of theologians. You know what that meant? That meant that he had a circle of groupies. He had a circle of groupies around him that worshipped the ground that he, that he walked on. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. They received the highest honor within their circle. He had men, and he had men, particularly more men, looking up to him as this almost demigod. Because of his intellect, because of his learning, he could recite the first five books of the Bible. How about that? The Pentateuch off by heart, every word. Because that's what a Pharisee of Pharisee had to do in order to be a Pharisee of Pharisees. Are you with me? He, had, he, could, he could make great claims, spiritual claim over his life, but he said, no, 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 they're like dung. Translated into modern English, I won't do that. But they're like dung. They're like dung. And I'm leaving those things behind because there's something in front of me that's more important. It's called the upward call of God. You're getting a little bit excited this morning in the house of God. So I want us to head together on that upward call of God. You know, rescuing those from a pathway that leads to hell. That's got to be a great priority on our agenda. In your neighborhood, you live next to somebody probably this morning that doesn't know Jesus. There are people in your street, in your neighborhood that need to know about him. What's the first step? Get to know them. Don't go in there with a Bible preaching a message of hellfire and brimstone, they'll never invite you back into their home again. You make friends with them. Did you know that Jesus was accused of being friends to sinners? Here he is, the rabbi. Yeah, he hangs out with the prostitutes and the tax collectors. Hello. That was Jesus' reputation. He hung out with the down and outers. He hung out with the crims. He hung out with those that had a dubious reputation. And his label that he was nicknamed with was a friend of sinners. Well, I think we need that label a little bit more, amen, this year, to be a friend of sinners in Jesus' name. We want to be able to help the poor. We want to be able to, you know, uh, you know the old Miss Universe pageants? What's your goal this year? Well, I just want to help the poor. Well, peace. <laughs> we want to help the poor too, but we want to bring the peace of Jesus into people's lives through the power of the gospel, amen, over the course of this year. And we don't want it, friends, to be Judy. And I want you to imagine this year, Faith Point, we've got many people missing over anniversary weekend this weekend, and I hope they catch up with this message. But we, we don't want Judy 
We want followers filled with passion and love for Jesus Christ on the upward call that are heading higher and higher, carrying an influential double portion of God's power and spirit within their life to make a difference. Yeah, friends, you can make a difference if you try in your own strength. You can make a certain difference. It'll be a smidgen difference. But with a double portion of God's Spirit, you can make a huge difference into people's lives in the name of Jesus today. So, Elijah, Elisha. Elijah had become Elisha's mentor and spiritual father. And I just want to say this. You know, you might be saying to yourself today, I'm old. I'm old. I've been there. I've been in lots of churches. I'm old and I'm just, you know, I'm on the duty roster now. I come to church. I pay my tithes and I come and bring my attendance and I might lift my hands to Jesus a little bit, but, you know, I'm on the out. I'm on the, I'm on the way out now. You know, let these young ones take over. You know what? Those young ones need spiritual mums and dads. We need spiritual mums and dads to rise up within the church of Jesus because I tell you, the ones that are coming to Christ now, they don't know nothing. They don't know nothing. They need your mentorship. They need your love. They need the connection that you can bring from all the things of life's experiences that God's put in you to begin to put into them. And so Elijah was placing that into them. And... Uh, and he, he counted the cost. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, I don't know where this gospel's got, where this gospel that's preached come to Jesus and there's a bed of roses. You're just going to have a wonderful life. You won't have any trouble. Friends, when you come to Jesus, trouble increases. Trouble increases in your life. Why is that? Because a third of the heaven's angels are now populated the earth. They're called demons, devil spirits, and they're troublemakers. And as soon as you become a Christian, you become a target for them. And they will make trouble around your life. You've just got to learn how to begin to deal to them in the name of Jesus and rule over them and be a, become a warrior for Christ. So... Um, I'm going to quickly read the story to you from 2 Kings, starting at verse 1. It came to pass, chapter 2, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. There's the first place. Number one, take notice of that, Gilgal. Not Gilgal, Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. Notice this, every single stop-off point, Elijah gave Elisha the option to opt out. He never took it. You've got to be in this because you want to be in it. You've got to be pursuing God because you want to pursue God. You might say to yourself, well, I'm pretty much on that spiritual apathy curve at the moment, Pastor. That's fine. But you're going to find out in a minute what Gilgal means, and then you're going to realize that there's a starting point for every one of us that we can find a journey back to being red hot for Jesus Christ. Elijah said, as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know the Lord will take your master from you today? He said, yes, I know. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. And then he said, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. 
Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know the Lord will take away your master from over you today? He said, Yeah, I know. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. This is the last stop-off point. But he said, As the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. You see, they were in covenant. Many of us don't understand the meaning of covenant. Man, there's so much in this message. We can't get into the depths of it. But can I just say this to you? When God brings you into covenant relationship with a leader or with somebody else in the church, you can't just go and break it and head off and do your own thing. It's a covenant relationship that's been built and birthed by God. You can't just walk away from it without except you're released from it by the Holy Spirit. So... Verse 7, 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that. So the two of them crossed over on dry ground. There's a great miracle right there. And so it was when they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask! You're such a pain in my butt! That's not in the scriptures. That's what he was saying. He's saying, ask. You've hung in there all these different stop-off points with me. I've given you the option of opting out, but you're still here. What is it that you want? What is it that you want from God today? What is it that you need from him today? What is it if you were to put it into a question into a, into a petition to heaven. What is it that you want to ask God to do for you over 2019? Elisha responds, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Double power. So he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes. He tore them into pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And here's the test. Here's the test. Lots of us talk about double anointing. Lots of us talk about the supernatural in Christianity. Lots of us talk about the miracles. But Elisha's saying, I'm going to see it, and I'm going to put it to the test. He took the mantle that had fallen from it and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were with Jericho from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground. Here's the journey, friends. The first place the stop-off was Gilgal. Gilgal means this. It means a wheel. It means a rolling. And all of us, somewhere along the way, on this pursuit of God, need to start rolling the wheels. We need a starting point in our journey. 
It shouldn't be, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Get away from your going to do's and start doing what God has put on your heart to do. Start those wheels rolling. Get those wheels turning and start heading in the right direction. Get a starting point underneath you. In Gilgal, it was interesting. It's the first place that they built an altar to the Lord. It was a place of worship. It was also uh, Israel anointed their first king. King Saul was anointed at Gilgal. And also there was erected the memorial stones of the 12 uh, tribes of Israel in the place of Gilgal. It was a starting point. And thank God for a starting point. Amen? For all of us. Jim Elliott, the great martyred missionary uh, to South America, this is a famous quote of his. He says, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. Focus, attention, focus on the things God's telling you to do. He's asking you to do. Focus on those things. Get your mind set on the plan that God has for your life. Secondly, they came to Bethel. Well, this is interesting. Bethel means the house of God. It means communion with God. As you're journeying on a, on a journey to receive a double portion of God's Spirit, God wants to bring you into a greater level of intimacy with Himself, communion with God. He wants you in the house of God. He wants you gathered together with the body of Christ, but He also wants to develop communion with you. Jesus said it like this, when you pray, find your closet, go into your closet and seek your Father in heaven. And what God the Father sees in secret, He will reward openly. I wonder when your reward comes to closet time, when you get to heaven, what kind of reward are you going to receive? Well, how's your closet time been? How's your time of intentional building a personal relationship with the living God going within your life today? Did you know that when Jesus chose the 12 disciples, he spent a whole night in prayer? Do you know that he went on the mountain to pray, asking the Father which ones he should choose? This wasn't spin the bottle. Ah, this is, this is, Father, I want to hear from the Holy Spirit the ones that you've chosen for me to do. And I always marvel it because one of them was Judas. And he was chosen in order to fulfill Scripture from the Old Testament prophecy that one would be in the, in the midst would be a traitor. But listen to this. In Mark 3, verse 14, it says this, He appointed 12 that they might be with him. That they might be with him. Are you with him? Can you describe Christianity as being with Jesus? I hang out with Jesus. He's my best friend, like Abraham, the friend of God. I just want to spend time with him. Jesus' call wasn't a manual that says, This is how you lay hands on the sick, this is how you preach. No, he said, Your first call is to be with me. I want you to be with me. Bethel, the place of communion, the house of God. Amen. I often tell the story of Praying Hyde, who was a famous missionary. His name was actually John Hyde, but he was nicknamed Praying Hyde. And Praying Hyde, John Hyde, had his first opportunity to speak at a large conference. This is back. This, this goes way back to the late 1800s with much missionary influence in India. And Praying Hyde had been given the opportunity to speak. 
And they forewarned him that there's going to be all sorts of people present. And if you ever go to India, you'll know this. Within any crowd, there'll be terrible sickness, there'll be cripples, there'll be the diseased, there'll be the most hideous things that you'll see in human life uh, in the crowds in India. And so John Hyde prayed and fasted on and off for three months. And the day came when he was introduced on the stage with thousands of people coming to hear the word of God, many of them crippled, many of them with crutches, many of them that couldn't walk, many of them uh, that had terrible illnesses and sicknesses. And John Hyde comes from the site, out from the wings of the stage and walks onto the stage. And he lifts his hands up over the audience and he says three words. Father, Father, Father! And that was his sermon. The power of God broke out upon the audience and the Holy Spirit began to move rapidly from back to front and people were throwing up their crutches. People were throwing away their wheelchairs. People were throwing away all sorts of the, uh, the things that they come to the meeting with. They were being supernaturally healed and delivered right there and then. People were sovereignly being delivered from demonic forces as the power of God erupted and pandemonium took place in that place. You know why that happened? Because one man found the place of Bethel, the place of communion with God. And he sought the face of God, and God moved through his life in astounding ways. You can do it. God's called you to come closer to him. Thirdly, Jericho was the first walled city in the promised land, and it was a time of breaking down strongholds. The city of Jericho was said to be impenetrable. The walls were so thick. Did you know that archaeologists have found the walls of Jericho in the ground? You know how the Bible says that when they let out a shout, the walls came down? Well, guess what? They found walls literally buried down under the ground where God had a whole lot of angels, I'm assuming, jumping up and down on the walls, pounding them into the ground. They found the walls of Jericho buried deep within the ground. And, uh, and, and, and here's, here's the deal with Jericho. All of us, all of us will need to face the demonic realm that has touched our lives in some way, shape, or form over the years and to pull down those strongholds and to bring the walls of Jericho down over your life. And you will need the double portion of God's spirit and power to bring down the strongholds. I've had a whole lot of stuff that God gave me, but for the sake of time, I'm going to pass over that, and it will certainly emerge in one of these other double messages. Lastly, they come to the place of the Jordan, where Elijah gets his mantle, slaps it on the water, the sea, the water parts, and they, the Bible says they walked over on dry ground. What a great miracle of God. But you know what Jordan means? The word Jordan means descending or flow down. So where the Jordan starts, it's 349 meters above sea level and it finishes down in the Dead Sea, below sea level. The Dead Sea is the lowest place on planet Earth. So here's the deal. As we're in our pursuit of, uh, pursuit of God, there's a flow down of God's revelation into your life. There is a pouring in of the river of God. 
that God wants to bring into your life of new revelation, understanding of the things of God that can only be given as God's Spirit increases over your life. Isn't that wonderful? What an amazing thing to receive that impartation. When, when, when Moses was stressing out, and this is a great lesson to all of us as leaders. I had a bit of a stressed week this week, actually, and God started talking to me about this. But uh, when Moses was stressing out, did you know what he used to do? It was so dumb, and yet in some way many of us leaders do this. It says he stood from early in the morning until late at night with a queue of Israelites coming to see him about their personal problems because they had to come and see the man of God to get the answers for their problems. And his father-in-law Jethro says, dumb golf, something like that. He says to him, he says, this is so stupid what you are doing. What you need to do is to raise up other leaders to be able to take the smaller, less insignificant problems, still a problem they need to be dealt with, but let them deal with that. And you only deal with the more difficult problems so that you're not going to get stressed out and burnt out. What great advice. So what did God do? This is what he did in Numbers eleven twenty four. 24. So Moses went out, told the people the words of the Lord. He gathered 70 men of the elders of the people, placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down and a cloud spoke to him. Listen to this. And took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon 70 elders. And as it happened, when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, although they never did so again. That first touch of the Holy Spirit, a transfer of, of the mantle that was upon Moses onto the 70 friends. All through the Bible, you can see transfers of God's power from men and women of God that he's raised up onto other people who are in pursuit of a greater portion of God's anointing. I would like us to stand to our feet right now. And I want us, as we stand to our feet, to start asking the question and start asking what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about in this message here today. Take a